ever get the feeling you're being watched? That's how I used to start my morning debrief to my department. It was funny because I quite literally was being watched by them, but it was also an important lesson that police officers should always be vigilant. But anyway, that was a different life, wasn't it? You are listening to Southbound, a Simon Fogg mystery. Produced by Jake Irwin and written by Billy Francis. Episode 1. Welcome to God's Country. It all started on the 49, around mid-June. The streets were sweating up filthy stenches and the bus acted as a sauna for the dead behind the eyes. I flipped through my phone contacts and read the depressing list of oddballs and creeps. Benny Bad Breath, Steve the Computer Guy, Frank the Tank, Hey Shell, it's Frank the Tank. Frank, it's Simon. Hey, we're meeting up tonight, yeah, hon. Don't worry, Kathy won't find out. Frank, what are you going on about? Hey, who's that then? Hey, hey, I'm just, uh, is, is that Shelly's boyfriend? I'm just uh, fixing the eater, like. Frank, it's me, Simon Fogg. Simon? Eh? Hey? I used to bring you lunch most days. Bet when we were on the force together. Hey, Simon the Pyman, eh? Hey, what did you want again, anyway? I mean, you called me. No, I called Shelly. Hey, is Shelly there, by the way? No, she's she's not here. You phoned me by mistake, Frank, because Simon is near Shelly in the alphabet. Hey, cool, mate. See you then. Bye. Wait, Frank, wait. I, I, this is a long shot, but don't suppose you know any work going, do you? Hey, work... I've been retired for years, Pyman. Don't know nothing. Security jobs. Anything. Hey, 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 hey. Hang on, hey. I might know something. And that should have been that. The end of this short, albeit quite boring tale. If I'd have just hung up, I could have taken that unpaid internship down the road. The bell in the bus went off and my stop was next. I press it again to assert that more than one person would be leaving at this point. I accidentally press it a third time and feel embarrassed and ashamed for pestering the driver. Somebody else presses it and I feel like that was also my responsibility somehow. Fucking watch it, Grandpa. I'm 42. Yeah, my grandpa's 38, so what, you better get back. I got off at the next stop and took a few random streets over in case I was being followed by that kid's granddad. Back in my stinking flat, I couldn't shake Frank's offer from my head. Like elderly women at their first synchronised swimming class, I was all over the place. In fact, I was drowning and nobody would notice until the Tina Turner song finished playing. I poured myself a glass of kombucha, neat, 
and dreamt about how my dad used to slap me about because I didn't drink a man's drink. What? It's not manly to worry about your probiotics and prebiotics and your live cultures and your stomach. My lease on that shithole was up and I had no money to pay the next six months. I couldn't get work if I wanted to. My ex-wife wasn't answering my calls. Says I can see the kids when I remember their birthdays, but how can you remember something you never knew to begin with? I call her every day on the off chance and sing happy birthday. She always hangs up on me. I woke up with a start. A tub of hummus peeled off my arse as I stood up from last night's late night snacking. And I began to wonder, where had the pit of bread gone? Hello? Hey, Shelly? No, Frank, this is Simon Pyman. Hey, can you put Shelly on, please? Listen, Frank, I'm in. Hey? The job. I'm, I'm in. Hey, Pyman, yes, mate. Frank... I just wanted to say thanks. It means the world to me just to speak to someone. hours later I took what I thought was an Uber to the airport, but just happened to be somebody waiting outside the local shops by my house for his wife, but was too polite to tell me to get out. Luckily, his wife accidentally got in the Uber I'd ordered, and her husband was able to drive her home from the airport. On the nine hour flight I sat next to a man in his forties wearing tight shorts watching the same episode of a children's television show on repeat. My TV wouldn't work. The other side of me was a flatulent Indian woman with a bag of pistachios. When I finally got off the flight, I stood by the baggage carousel for 90 minutes before I remembered I hadn't checked a bag and then headed outside. The heat hit me like a cup of tea you thought was cold enough to drink but burns the end of your tongue and ruins your day. I was already sweating in all the wrong places and the right ones. Hi Simon, my name's Holt, here to get you. Welcome to God's country. Is he around? I've got a few requests. The silence that followed my poor joke made it slightly awkward between this man and I. He wrestled my backpack from me and traipsed ahead a few metres. I guess you're a funny guy, huh? Well, come on. Whole family's dying to meet you. What I didn't know then was that it was going to be anything but a metaphor. on the second floor and uh, you're gonna be sharing with my brother Skeeter Here, here's the thing about Skeeter he, he smokes a lot uh, chews a lot of tobacco and, and generally smells like shit but he throws a hell of a horseshoe don't the horses need them I got settled in the room freshened up with what I thought was a mud pack but quickly found out was Skeeter's dipping tobacco 
The house was on 15 acres of land, an old plantation home that had fallen into disrepair. Old trucks lay as they often do when a place is in disrepair. Not sure why these people acquire so many trucks when they start going bankrupt, but I wasn't going to ask. Holt, why do you have so many trucks? Uh, like trucks. door opened and I averted my gaze as told. The squelch of a sodden boot creaked across the wooden floor. Creaking and with a thud a pot was dumped on the table in the centre. The scurrying sound like a frightened rat followed and the door slammed behind her. That's my Denise. Ain't she sweet? I wondered what Denise's story really was. She appeared and acted like she was on the wrong side in a fantasy novel. But there was more than meets the eye. I had to delve deeper. Holt went on to tell me about how the house was in her family for generations. A successful cotton plantation at one point, until emancipation. Her family had never quite recovered. I started to feel sorry for them for a second. Until I remembered what emancipation was and then I felt weird. Holt played football at college, that's the American one, and had looked like he was going to be going to the big leagues at one point, but he tore his rotator cuff in an arm wrestle with a midget at the county fair. He hadn't seen eye to eye with midgets ever since. I could have had class, I could have been a contender, I could have been somebody, instead of a bum, which is what I am. I mean, let's face it. Great film, that. The hell are you talking about? Now look, you better eat up. Denise likes a clean plate and we do not want to upset her. I shoveled the piles of grits into my mouth, tasted like wallpaper paste. Luckily, I like wallpaper paste. So, so why am I here? A couple weeks back, Denise's father died. Sorry to hear that. Oh, I mean, he was a real asshole. Well, that's all right then. Well, hold on now. A man died. Well, that's true. I'm sorry. Don't be. He was an asshole. Good riddance then. Have a little respect though, okay? Sorry. You're right. How'd he die? Heart attack? Boy, you think we would have flown you all the way over from England if he'd have died from a heart attack? Right, yeah. Probably not. The Barley Boys found him out back. Face down in the septic tank. What a shit way to go. So, I called up my cousin in England. Frank. And he told me that you were the best cop at Scotland Yard. Did he? Well, no, but he said you could do a passable job and that you were cheap. That much was true. Why me, though? Why, why not the cops around here? Boy, the cops around here are crooked, money-grubbing thieves. Man, they worse than the criminals. Those sons of bitches, they'd love to see me face down in the septic tank next to Denise's daddy. He's not still in there, is he? Well, you better get some rest, boy. I'll show you around in the morning. I was jet-lagged, confused. I woke up in bed. At some point, Skeeter had walked in. He was talking in his sleep, something about those commies in the trees. Watch out for the trees, he kept saying. 
I didn't take his fears seriously because there were no trees in the bedroom other than a small house plant, not big enough for a commie. I checked my trousers, I had either urinated myself or Skeeter had urinated on me. Either one was likely. With piss-covered trousers and a banging headache, a few things kept me from diving into that septic tank with a concrete hat on. Where was Skeeter's underwear? Who killed that man? And most importantly, if they'd used the last of their money on my flights, how was I getting paid? Southbound is written by Billy Francis and produced by Jake Irwin. Music and sound design by Jake Irwin. This week's episode featured Billy Francis as Simon Fogg and Jake Irwin as Holt.